Um, so I, I'm excited. I'm excited about this Sunday um, uh, for some very particular reasons, but generally just for our church. Uh, this is something I think we want to continue to live into uh, more and more, especially in the sense of global missions. What is God calling us to do and how is he inviting us to join what he is doing around the world? And that really is what this morning is about. It's about celebrating the fact that God is at work. God is at work around the world and he's inviting us, his, his followers, his church, his family, to join with what he is doing uh, in our city and in our nation and around the world. And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. And really, I wanna do that in two ways. One is uh, we're gonna look at Romans chapter 15. Uh, we've been in a series on Romans. We're gonna jump ahead in Romans because Paul uh, talks about his mission and his call. And I think if we look at what he says about mission, it'll help us understand our mission. So we're gonna look at Romans 15. So if you wanna grab a Bible near you, we can go ahead and look at that together this morning. And then after that, we're gonna invite uh, Noel and Ben Carr just to come up uh, to the front. They are uh, missionaries to Indonesia and they've been worshiping with us for about a year or so and they're gonna be sent back to Indonesia. And so we're gonna get a chance to hear about God's call on their life and about that mission. And so, so as we start this morning, we're gonna look again at Romans chapter 15. And so if you've got your Bible open there, um, what I want us to consider is what, again, is Paul telling us about his mission and then how that helps us understand our mission. And if I had to sum up what Paul says here in these few verses in chapter 15, I would sum it up this way. I would say that gospel people have a holy ambition to live on gospel mission and to send gospel missionaries. If I'd encapsulate what he's saying here, it's that gospel people, that's us, we have a holy ambition, this deep, strong desire uh, to live on gospel mission together and to send gospel missionaries. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the big idea this morning. And I wanna look at how that kind of works itself out just briefly together as we look at these few verses, verses 18 through 24 in chapter 15. And so the first thing that I want us to look at is this idea that gospel people uh, live with a holy ambition, that we as gospel people have a holy ambition. Notice, uh, if you look in uh, those opening verses of chapter 15, verse 18, look at what Paul says about his ambition, his goal, uh, which is, uh, he captures it this way. He says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. So this is how he's articulating his ambition for mission. Uh, God desires, in other words, all nations, right? All peoples around the world, the Gentiles. He desires for all people to know and trust Christ, that they might experience Christ-like life, life with him forever. That's the hope. That's the goal. It's this transforming faith that leads to loving obedience. That's why obedience gets kind of hit on over and over. If you go back to chapter one, if you go to chapter 16 in Romans, there's this phrase, the obedience of faith. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying this is faith. It's not just this mental ascent. It's actually devotion. It's giving your whole life over to this person of Jesus. And it changes who you are and how you live and how you walk in this life. And so for Paul, uh, what's central to this goal or this ambition it really is what Christ has accomplished. That's what he says here in verse 18. It's about what Christ has accomplished through me. And so Paul has, 
He's heard the gospel on the Damascus Road. He, he encountered the risen Jesus, and he's now experienced this gospel, this gospel-shaped life, and his life has been totally transformed by Jesus. His life has been completely changed by Jesus. God's forgiveness that he's experienced in his life, God's healing and restoration in his life, the fullness of joy that he's never experienced before in life with God through Christ. And so that's what Paul has experienced, and it's changed not only his life, but his ambition in life. It's reoriented his ambition. His holy ambition is now for others to know this Jesus that he himself has met. That's what he wants more than anything, is for others to know the Jesus that he has come to know and love. And so that's why in verse 20, Paul says, I make it my ambition to do what? Preach the gospel. I make it my ambition to preach the good news of Jesus. I want others to know the truth and the grace and the power and the joy of Jesus. That's his heart cry. That's his heart's desire for others to come to know this Jesus. And so I think for us, it, it drives us to this question, of what is our holy ambition? What is our ambition in this life? When you get up tomorrow morning and you start your week, what is it that kind of gets you going? What is it that kind of stirs in you uh, when you're on your knees before the Lord, when you're in his word, when you're asking him to, to lead you through your day, what is it you're asking, inviting him to do? What is it he is stirring in you? And so when we make decisions about what we're gonna do with our day, what we're gonna do with this week, when we make decisions about how we're gonna lead our family or how we're gonna uh, um, live out our lives, whether we're in school or at work or wherever we may find ourselves, when we make decisions about our treasure, our talents, our time, is our ambition, our growing passion underneath all of that that others would know the Jesus that we know? Because that's what it was for Paul. And I think that's what it is for us. That's the, the invitation of the gospel is that we would not only encounter this Jesus, but we would tell others about him. And, and I, I think what's really beautiful here is that this for Paul is not driven by guilt or obligation, right? And it's not even stirred up by some great sermon on missions, right? It's not because this pastor said there's a mission Sunday and hey, from now on, we're gonna be all about missions, right? What stirred him? What stirred him was Jesus. What stirred him was his life in Christ and he wanted others to have that. He wanted others to experience the love and the forgiveness and the healing and the freedom from sin and death, life with God forever and the gratitude and the joy that he experienced in that actually fanned the flames of this ambition for others to know. Jesus. And so he wants everybody to know Jesus. And so gospel people like Paul have this holy ambition to live on gospel mission, to tell others about Jesus. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that uh, it answers the question of, well, how do we do that? How do we live uh, on this mission as gospel people? Uh, and what Paul describes here answers that question. He tells us how to live on gospel mission. Look at what he says. He says, again, I did not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. How? He says, by word and deed, by the powers and signs and wonders, of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's how Christ has worked through him to proclaim the gospel to all people. 
Again, notice for Paul that it's what Christ does through him. What Christ does through him. I think that's really important. It was about what God did, not what Paul did. And Paul had done a lot. Paul had sacrificed a lot. Paul Paul had given a lot for the sake of the gospel. But what he points to is what God had done through him. And so in Paul's ministry, who gets the glory? Who gets the credit? The Lord does. The Lord gets all of the glory. And so I would say just a really simple thing to observe here is that a hallmark of gospel mission, a hallmark of gospel mission is that God always gets the glory. And I say that because I think it's important for us when we encounter ministries and ministers who seem more concerned with their glory than God's glory. Big red flag. Big red flag. And that happens a lot. And so we need to make sure that Christ gets the glory in the mission of God. So it's all about Christ, but here's the, here's the amazing thing. It's all about Jesus, but we get to be a part of it. <laughs> We're not just spectators. Well, Jesus is going to do everything, and I just kind of sit over here with some popcorn. We get to be a part of it. It's an invitation into mission. We have a role to play. We do stuff, right, with Jesus. There's me activity here. And that's what this list is. Namely, it's that we proclaim Christ. But how do we do that? By word and deed. So living on mission means speaking about Jesus to the people in your life. There are people in your life right now, they need to know about Jesus. And how will they hear if you tell them? And so sometimes we get this idea, if we just live right, if we just live well, and eventually maybe people will catch on. There's something different about us, and they'll find Jesus. And I just want to say it's word and deed. It's both. The way we live matters. The way we live matters, but the words we choose to say are important. So it needs to be lived and experienced. Specifically, Paul says, by the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a supernatural role the Holy Spirit plays in the work of missions. It's not just us doing great things for God, coming up with great strategies and approaches to mission or or, or saying the right things. It's the Holy Spirit working. In particular, he says in supernatural ways, through signs and wonders. Why signs and wonders? I think because what happens with signs and wonders is that they magnify Christ. If, if it's the ministry of Christ, the source of the power is Christ, then the glory should go to Christ, and that's what signs and wonders are for, to bring glory to Jesus, to demonstrate God's mercy. And so for Paul and for us, Jesus is always the cause. He's always the source. He's always the one who gets the glory, and that's authentic mission because authentic mission draws people to Jesus. That's what it does. Authentic mission draws people to Jesus because it's about him and it's empowered by him. And we get to be a part of it. And so what's true for Paul is true for you and me. Christ is working through you, through you, through words and deeds, through signs and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to proclaim Christ. So gospel people have a holy ambition to live on gospel mission. And that's how we do that. But here's what's amazing beyond that is that that's not all there is to it. There's even more. He goes on to say, not only that 
we are gospel people living on gospel mission. Look what he says in verse 19. He says that from Jerusalem all the way around to Elysium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Okay, and then just, let's just pile on top of that. I want to talk about how crazy what he just said is. But let's just pile on top of that, verse 23 and 24. He says in 23, there's no more room for me to do work in these regions. And then he says in verse 24, that's why I'm telling you, Rome, I'm coming to you, and then I'm going on to Spain. So just think about what he just said. It's incredible. He just said, I, I, I've kind of fulfilled gospel ministry, basically from Jerusalem to northern Greece. Check. I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions of people, hundreds and thousands of square miles. I mean, what is he talking about? How can he say that? He's fulfilled the gospel in those regions. Um, what is he getting at? I think what he's getting at is this reality that gospel people not only live in gospel mission, but they send gospel missionaries. They send gospel missionaries. Because here's the reality. There are some people called to stay in places, and there are some people who are called to go. And it's all mission. We're all called to live on mission as gospel people. So you see, what's happened is Paul set out, right, on these missionary trips. And what he would do is he, would, he was making these circuits. He was going around the northern Mediterranean. He was planting churches. He was proclaiming the gospel. He was creating these communities of people who had a heart as gospel people living on gospel mission to share the gospel with people. And so that's why he says he feels called not to do that anymore, but to continue in this ministry of telling people that don't know about Jesus. He doesn't want to build on that foundation. He wants to release those people to do that work, and he's going to go on to Spain. So that's what, that's what he's saying. That's why he says those who have never been told of him will see. Those who have never heard will understand. Because Paul's burning desire, his passion, is to reach the unreached. He specifically feels called to reach the unreached. Who are the unreached? The unreached are people groups who have no one to tell them about Jesus. There are people in the world who have no one to tell them about Jesus. I think in our kind of Christian culture in America, Western world, we, that's hard for us to understand. I think it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I know it is for me because what's true in Paul's day is true today. So let me, let me share this. In the world today, there are about 17,433 people groups. That's based on uh, something called the Joshua Project, which I encourage you to check out, joshuaproject.com. But they work to kind of help us get a picture of the world today and the need for the gospel. And what they have assessed is there's 17,433 distinct people groups. And that's important because when the Bible talks about the nations, right, we read from, from Matthew 28, it's talking about people groups. It's not talking about countries, so it's talking about these distinct kind of maybe ethnicities or groups of people. 17,433, of that group, 7,418 are unreached with the gospel. 7,418 groups of people are unreached with the gospel. That represents 3.29 billion people who are unreached with the gospel. 
3.29 billion men and women will be born, live, and die having never met a Christian and never heard about Jesus. That's staggering when you let that sink in. That's incredible that we still live in a world where there's so much opportunity for the gospel to go forth, just like Paul wanted to do in his day. And so just to clarify, we're not talking about lost people. There are lost people right here. (laughs) There are lost people in your uh, workplace. There are lost people in your school, in your neighborhood, in your apartment building. Wherever you are, there are lost people. But those people are not unreached, right? Those people are not unreached with the gospel. And the main reason they're not unreached with the gospel is because you're there, right? You're there. You're the missionary, I'm the missionary to those people. And so it's this incredible reality that, man, we're all missionaries, right? But some are called to stay and some are called to go. And those who stay send, right? And so Paul felt called to go. He had this holy ambition to tell others about Jesus in word and deed with signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's, 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 the, big, that's the big idea, I think, that Paul wants to give us. Gospel people have a holy ambition to live on gospel mission and send gospel missionaries. Now, again, we are all called. What that means is we're all called to be gospel people. We're all called to be on gospel mission wherever we are. Most of us are called to do that right here, and some of us are called to go. Some of us are called to have a heart for that $3.29 billion billion people. I have no idea why I said dollars right there. <laughs> 3.29 billion people, right? Some of us have a heart that weighs on us. And that weight may cause us to, to give and to send and to pray, but it also means maybe if you're sitting here today and that weighs on you, God might be calling you to go. And I just want to encourage you to pay attention to that. Don't let that just pass because that, that's not most of us. Most of us don't have that call to go. We have a call to stay here and to be missionaries where we are. So gospel people have a holy ambition to live on gospel mission and to send gospel missionaries. Just to, to wrap up, and then I'm going to invite the cars to come up here. I love how Paul uh, kind of sums this up and what he says in chapter 15, verse 24. So again, this is a letter to the house churches in Rome. He's going to Jerusalem, and then he plans to go to them. And this is what he says. He says, I hope to see you as I'm passing by to go to Spain. And to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a little while. It just makes it feel so human, so real, right? For the past year, here's what's amazing to me about this pastor. For the past year, the Carr family have been doing life and mission with us here at Apostles. And they, I think I can say this, they've enjoyed our company. I think they've enjoyed our company and we've enjoyed theirs. Uh, But they're passing. They are passing on their way, not to Spain, but to Indonesia. That's where the Lord's called them. And I believe God's brought them to us for a time so we can, as gospel people, get to know them and love them so that we can now send them as gospel missionaries. And so I've asked them if they'll just come and and just share. I've got a few questions I'm gonna ask them to kind of help them share about why Indonesia and why they feel called specifically to go there and how we can pray for them, how we can come alongside them, how we can support them um, as gospel missionaries. And so, um, 
So at this point, I'm going to ask, can the cards, can you guys go ahead and come on up?